the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Greetings and welcome to this latest episode of AV Nation TV's Connected. I'm your host, David Danto, um, and I had an awesome show for you guys this time. We, we're, uh, we're, we're hopefully looking at the sunset of COVID, plus or minus whatever's going on in the world, and we're all starting to prepare to go to uh, conferences again. I know I'm going to be at, at CEDIA early in September, and then the next conference that we're going to is, is Enterprise Connect, the replacement Enterprise Connect. We haven't met for about a year and a half or so, and we're all going to be in, uh, in, in Orlando at the, at the beautiful and ugly Gaylord Palms. And, um, and I have some guests here on the show that are going to talk about uh, uh, what those experiences are like and what we've experienced leading up to this. And then, you know, toward the end of this, we'll kind of get a preview of one of the sessions that are going on. But right now, let me let everybody introduce themselves. I'm going to start with you, Eric. Why don't you tell, you who, why don't you tell us who you are uh, and what you do? Thanks very much, David. Uh, and thanks for having me and doing this show. Really appreciate it. I'm Eric Kraft. I'm the general manager and the program co-chair for Enterprise Connect. So along with my colleague, Beth Schultz, who's the editor, editor of our No Jitter media site, uh, I lead the program effort to put together all of the conference and pick the topics and find the speakers and try to make sure we got the best set of content we can for the audience. And as GM, I oversee everything else too. Awesome, Eric. Thank you. And Ira, why don't you go next? Tell everybody who you are and what you do. As if, you know, I have some, such stars on the show this year, they probably don't need to do that, but but go ahead and get it underway anyway. Perfect. Thanks for having me, David. I appreciate it. Uh, so I'm Ira Weinstein. I am an analyst at Recon Research. I focus on conferencing and collaboration, uh, especially hands-on testing, and we help a lot of end users choose and identify their products. So um, for Enterprise Connect, I'm happy to say that the Recon Research team uh, manages the AV and video conferencing track. So I'm very uh, psyched to get back in person and see everybody in Orlando. Awesome. Thank you, Ira. And, uh, and Dave Michaels, why don't you go next? Tell everybody who you are and what you do. Hello, I'm Dave Michaels. I'm from Talking Points. And uh, I'm a, um, I don't know, enterprise communications uh, generalist. I hate to say that these days. It's not, not quite. But enterprise communications is a, uh, did I say enterprise connect? I'm an enterprise communications generalist. Um, uh, enterprise communications is specialized or broad, depending how you look at it. Uh, I've been going to this show, uh, I guess since it was VoiceCon. I don't remember it before VoiceCon, Eric. What was it? Did it happen? No. It was, um, called, it was called the PBX show. The PBX show. <laughs> so I've been going to this show since the VoiceCon era. It's been enterprise connect for at least, 10, I don't know, was it 10 years now, enterprise connect? Um, and uh, it's always one of the highlights of the year. It's pretty, it's pretty much the uh, uh, busiest week of the year for people like myself and Ira, probably. Uh, just so much going on, so many announcements, and such a... It's the only time where pretty much the entire industry kind of comes together and gets in the same place, and it's just a fantastic experience. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. And I said, we'll have um, um, a couple of other guests giving a preview of their session later on. But right now, let's 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 talk about what's happened here. So so uh, by my count, about uh, 17 or 18 months of uh, this worst pandemic of our lifetime. And, and we did an awful lot of learning about a lot of things. Um, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the fact that a lot of the predictions we talked about, about how valuable uh, video conferencing and, and, and collaboration and what we do in UC kind of really, you know, jumped up and, and filled a void and let businesses stay in business. We learned a lot about virtual conferences, what are good or bad. You know, Eric, what, what, what's on your mind about 
the kind of things we learned and experienced over the last 18 months as we kind of got through this craziness? Well, I think, you know, in, in terms of the industry, I think what we saw and, and you've, you are uh, making this point quite a bit, David, I know is that it really did work. The, you know, as you say, the, you know, remote work pretty much uh, succeeded. I mean, there's, you know, individuals will have different views of how much of it they want to do, but it, the, the technology really rose to the occasion. The people who support the technology rose to the occasion uh, and they really delivered um, something that let businesses, at least the businesses that rely on knowledge workers, stay in business. Uh, and that's, to me, that's kind of the big picture of it all. Of it all. And it really, you know, the, it's almost a cliche like that, that the compressed, whatever the number you want to use is a decade of, of digital transformation into a, a year or whatever, but it really did that. It's this, this stuff, we follow it for Enterprise Connect and it's, you know, you're used to seeing new technology work its way in over a period of time and it just happened a lot quicker this time and, and um, it was just an amazing thing to see. If I can jump in, I think it's been amazing the transition from video being this concept we used for video and you know, if you couldn't travel or you couldn't see your family for a year or two, you may be video with them to video becoming every single day a part of your life. I mean, I've been to video bar and bat mitzvahs. I went to a video wedding. I went to a video baby shower. I've been to video board meetings, video HOA meetings. I deal with my accountant over video, deal with an attorney over video. It's, it's, it's ridiculous how automatic video has become. And I, I have to say, I've been covering video for almost 20 years now, I figured we'd get to this point. I just didn't think so much of it would be compressed into an 18 month growth period. Um, and, and it's amazing to me. I mean, I video with my parents multiple times a week. And that's, to me, that's the most amazing thing that happened. And, and making it a part of our work lives was a natural extension of the fact that it became a key communication method for our lives. It's, it's tremendous. Dave, what do you see? Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, it's, it's not just the video, but certainly video has been a big part of it, but also it's been a big time for the uh, asynchronous communications, things like team chat. And, you know, so much of the world has discovered what the industry has been preaching for the past de decade or so. Uh, it turns out that you actually can do face-to-face -face meetings uh, without commuting uh, not only can you be remote, but the other people could be remote and you can meet with people in different countries. There's no concept of, of borders. There's no concept of time zones. And, and so we've ad adapted to that and it's caused everyone to revisit a lot of old assumptions that have always been there. Um, like, do I have to live near my office? So that's, that's, a, that's a particularly common one that, that we, that's got a lot of tension. But it's, it's more than that. Uh, it, like the uh, eight to five workday, you know, or, or the nine to five workdays, or in Ira's case, the 10 to, 10 to four workday. But, but, you know, the, uh, but, but the, all these assumptions that have been in place for years uh, are being questioned now. And it's a fantastic time for the enterprise communications industry because people are really, really questioning and really open to new ideas, more so than they ever have been before. So, so we've got companies that have said, sell the buildings, rent the space, we're going to be virtual 100% all the time, this works. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've got you know primarily the financial services companies saying, get this stuff over with, come back to the office, we don't do hybrid. Um, 
you know, well, so, so I, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want you to pick on the financial services. Uh, they, they certainly they've gotten some attention around that, but but they're under more pressure with regulation and the equipment they have in place for around recording and things like that, and and, and confidential information on, that are on displays. But at a higher level, a lot of companies are struggling with, and this is the point I was just making: how do we adjust to this distributed world? We have we have never really thought about uh, necessarily uh, people, uh, your kids looking at customer data on your screen. That hasn't been a topic in enterprise security for a long, long time or if ever. Uh, So all these questions are coming up. Uh, How do I supervise people? How do I, uh, is a dog barking in the background unprofessional or acceptable? You know, there's, everything is kind of being revisited. And so different companies have different timescales or approaches to how they solve some of these questions. Uh, some of the tech companies tend to be a little more comfortable with it and are moving more quickly. Some of the financial companies tend to be a little more conservative and moving a little more slower. But there's a spectrum here, uh, and it's a global spectrum. This is this is not a U.S. thing at all. And so there's a lot of rediscovery and reinvention, uh, not just about the technology, but about processes and, and how people actually collaborate. And it's a very significant problem right now because organizations it's not a standard part of the typical company's DNA to manage, develop, train, and support people remotely, right? It was, it was not that it was unacceptable for people to be remote, but it was kind of tolerated. It was kind of allowed. Now, it is not just tolerated or allowed. It's a strategic part of doing your business. Yeah. And to do that, you have to have the infrastructure, the processes, procedures, the financial arrangements there. So, it's a two-part problem here. You've got a technical challenge, which, you know, as a technology industry, we're all interested in the technical nuances, but there's this whole softer side that, frankly, companies just aren't used to it. So what we're seeing is we're seeing companies that were already distributed, right? They're in pretty good shape to tweak that knob a little bit and make people a little bit more distributed. But those that were never distributed, they're really reworking everything they do. I mean, so forget about changing where people are. You're changing what you do and how you do it. It's amazing. And I, and I think, you know, the, the particularly when it comes to like the culture, you think about the kind of the concern within our company and many is particularly new starters, young, early career people. You know, we don't have a good way to think about them acclimating and being seen and being, you know, rising in a, in a remote situation for the most part. Um, and, but, I, but I think the other thing is too, we're also at this really interesting moment where it's not just, it doesn't just have to do with remote work. When you look at the service industry and you see the, the struggles that they're having attracting workers and workers suddenly having leverage that they didn't used to have. I think the way, at least in the United States, people are thinking about work is very different and is gonna have a lot to do with how we resolve this with technology. So, so Eric, let's talk about some of the past Enterprise Connect themes that that I guess we've made moot over the last 18 months. I know we've had conversations about journey to the cloud, and oh boy, if you weren't in the cloud for your collaboration, you just really got lost. 
um, during these last things. We can also talk about how we've learned that most what everybody thought about business continuity is completely wrong. Every company that had plans to go to the other site, well, if you can't go to any site, hopefully everybody's rewriting those things. And I can also sneak in there the idea of um, the, the, the team chat applications. I personally, when those things came out and we were making such a big deal out of them, thought they were you know a solution looking for a problem. And oh boy, didn't we give them the problem. So um, I mean, do, do you, do, are those going to continue to be the themes? Are there new themes? How do you reflect on on how we kind of uh, uh, pre uh, previewed all of these things coming up as, uh, as 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 themes that would emerge when when the pandemic happened? Well, I mean, I do think you know it's the thing about premises or what you know. Or did you go to the cloud? You know, the idea that that you've got to have stuff on site or that you know that's that has been probably effectively done away with but the kind of the broader issue of what's your architecture or how do you kind of look at your your estate and and plan for it you know one of the sessions we're doing at enterprise connect is about your wan and how do you think about your wan if you're going to if it if it used to be this kind of hub and spoke or whatever it was but it was very fixed and now where your people are is very spread out and very dynamic um but you've still got multi-year contracts with carriers that's kind of an immediate problem and then you have a longer strategic problem of of how do you how do you plan a longer term kind of network architecture and and application architecture you know stuff like that will still matter and now we're getting um you know the a lot of attention paid to the performance you know you want it if you're gonna if you're gonna have people remote all the time the performance of the network has got to be good and so now you start looking at maybe there's edge almost like content delivery networks for um for at the enterprise so that they can so that your your contact center agent at home is doesn't have this terrible connection and words are dropping out when they're trying to talk to the angry customer Okay, that's interesting. So, Dave, you have a presentation. You typically, at the end of every Enterprise Connect, a lock note where you kind of go over the themes and what you learned. So, so I always like asking my guests to whip out their balls. Whip out your crystal balls here, Dave, and tell us what do you think we're going to be talking about at uh, at at the end of this Enterprise Connect coming up. Well, I'm glad you asked. I've already got my PowerPoint all done here. No, no, actually, the lock note is the one session that isn't uh, rehearsed or approved or anything beforehand uh, because it is very much uh, about what just happened. What did we just see? Uh, we've got uh, it's a panel of uh, regular contributors to uh, No Jitter. And um, I don't know where we're going to go. I mean, I, 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 you know, you just asked Eric about some of the themes in the past. Some of those themes are very deliberate when you go into a conference. We know what's going on. Uh, we have an idea of what's going on this year. But until all those announcements come out and until you hear what uh, what people are really in, talking about in the hallways and what the what the uh, uh, excitement is about, uh, we don't really know the theme of Enterprise Connect until it's happened. And that's kind of the purpose of that lock note session. It's usually a pretty lively session. It's... Um, uh, uh, you know, there's usually about four or five of us on the panel. Most of them don't make any sense, but I do. And and I think that uh, uh, it's worthwhile to, to listen to at least part of it. Okay. I mean, I guess we have to talk about, you know, the 800-pound gorilla here. COVID is not done. As we're recording this, you know, we're all dealing with uh, the issues of the variant. Eric, I guess I think it's fair 
to say that you're probably not going to have the same kind of attendance at this show as you've had in past shows for multiple reasons. I mean, there are people who are looking at, you know, your March 21st typical annual date um, and, and, you know, they don't want to do anything too close. Some people are afraid to travel. There are many companies, including, you know, my peer manufacturers and service providers in the industry that are that I, I've, I've spoken to people that said they absolutely want to come to our things, but their company can't give them the permission yet. So I, I, I assume it's fair to say it's probably going to be a more intimate experience this year. Is that fair? It, it it definitely won't be the size of, say, 2019, um, but intimate, may, it, it'll be more than intimate. Um, and I think what, you know, we really, I think the, the obstacle really is just sort of COVID itself. We see really strong sort of pent up demand, like to your point, I think people, you know, the, the people, people want to go to events, they, they going to events, you know, lets you network. It, it, it does the things that, that you even we've, I think we've seen on a lot of the virtual events, it's, it's, there's been much harder for people to engage with each other, uh, on these platforms, um, and so, you know, we we see no shortage of people who really want to go to the show, and um, you know, the, the, again, the, the variant is is our challenge of the moment. Hopefully, we'll you know we're seeing vaccination rates go up a little bit, so hopefully we'll we'll kind of push that out of the way sooner rather than later. Um, but it's you know we we continue to to you know feel really strongly that that the event is is going to be very healthy this year. Uh, and and we you know we're planning for a good crowd. I'm I'm gonna be there. I can't wait. Um, Dave, you had a point you wanted to make? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add. I, I think Enterprise Connect has, is you know more than one type of an event depending on who you are. And there's there's certainly a strong user element, and a lot of organizations go there to figure out their strategies and roadmaps. Uh, and then there's also a fairly significant um, industry element. It's the only event where really the entire industry kind of comes together. I, I expect that second part, the industry event, to be in full swing. As far as I can tell, uh, almost every vendor that I've spoken to, I think every vendor I've spoken to, is going to be there. And, and I know that uh, a lot of people are anxious to, you know, I can I can attend a virtual event. I can attend a, a PowerPoints all day for a sales kickoff or, you know, some product launch or whatever. But, but, uh, but to meet with all these different people in one setting, that's a pretty hard thing to do in a virtual um, uh, event. And I, I think the industry side of Enterprise Connect uh, is going to be extremely strong this year. I think there's a stronger appetite than usual because there's, it's been such a big year for enterprise communications. And uh, I think it's just good. I think there's a pent up demand. So that part of the show, I think, is going to be in full, full swing. So, so Ira, let me go to you for your thoughts on this, but I want to preface it by asking you a completely unfair question. Present company accepted, of course, you know, but the truth of the matter is, speaking for our entire industry, why have virtual events sucked so much? Um, you know, you would think we would have been better at this stuff, having had all this practice and know what it is. But for the most part, the absolute best top tier biggest shows, which in my mind are like CES and some of the other ones, all the way down to the small local regional shows, didn't really have a compelling experience. Um, part of it, I think, is because they weren't interactive enough. I remember getting up at 7.30 in the morning for, for a CES presentation from a manufacturer that turned out to be a YouTube video. Like, I really needed to get up at 7 in the morning to watch a YouTube video? I want to I wanna ask. I want to be interactive. But, but you know, I, I think that's a fair statement to say if you look at the course of the last 18 months. We didn't, we, everybody, the world, doing virtual events, didn't really do a good job with them. And So, so what are your thoughts about events, virtual, and, and these new ones coming out, Ira? So great, couple things. First of all, just to chime in on, you know, people I talk to, everybody is really psyched to go to Enterprise Connect because we, 
People like us who spend all our time analyzing and considering the trends in the industry, we're, we're different from the masses who count on this kind of analysis and a compressed way of getting great information. And Enterprise Connect brings that. And, and that's why you know, the in-person element is more than just shaking hands or seeing each other. It is about this, this dump of information they can't get elsewhere. So the, the end users, especially I'm talking to, they're seeing so many things change and it's too hard for them to keep up because they actually have a job. Our job is to keep up with this. They have a job to keep their users happy. So I think it's going to be an amazing show, um, whether the attendance is up or down. To me, I think the people who are there are going to get amazing value because they're hungry for it. And I think that's great news. Go ahead, Eric. And Dave, oh, I'm sorry. And, and Dave, one thing I'd say about virtual events, I think, you know, it's it's been tough to 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 try to take live events, in-person events and just sort of port them online. That that hasn't really worked as well as we'd like. But I think I mean, we're certainly as an events company looking at a future where will, you know, that that hybrid element will evolve. And and the logical thing to think is that people who absolutely can't make it on site, people who are global. I mean, and if you think about the technology, you know, I don't know how many you guys know better than me, how many years we are away from really good simultaneous translation. But imagine if you could present Enterprise Connect from Orlando to people in some other region of the world and have it come to them in their language, uh, that kind of a thing. Uh, again, that's we, we haven't got that plan for 2022 or anything, but it's, there are ways that the virtual piece can work for you. I think we, need to all, we also need to consider this. For the entire history of the virtual event industry, you know, most of the time it has been an addition to other experiences. Right, We've had other educational venues, in-person events, localized training, but there's always been a face-to-face -face element opportunity or something. And virtual events kind of filled in some of the blanks and the, the dead times between that. Suddenly COVID hits and all we have are virtual events. And we just did not structure that entire industry around the concept of the virtual event is all you get. We're just not there. Right? Well, I, a virtual I, event is, is a different animal, and we didn't add the interactivity or the capabilities to be an entertaining event without in-person. Go ahead. I, I know I used to talk about the idea and giving the example of when, when television was born um, in the U.S. The first things done on television were people reading radio scripts, and it was right. terrible. A new medium requires different content and new content. And, we, and it took us probably the entire 18 months to realize that the only way we're going to get value out of these virtual experiences is if we make them interactive, if we make the people that are attending have the opportunity to engage with the information that they're getting. And I yeah. think we're starting to learn that. And we had a similar challenge, right? The, there are companies and services available to give you a more dynamic and more interactive event, but because they were not in such high demand and such heavy volume, they were a little pricey. So the typical company wasn't using them yet. So even though we had some of these capabilities, it was not the norm. And then suddenly we had to make it the norm and not everybody could get there in a matter of a month or two or three. So it makes perfect sense that these in-person events had some challenges converting over to all virtual. So, so Ira, as long as you're talking, give us a little bit of a preview. I know you're, you're managing, as you said, the, the video conferencing uh, uh, and AV track. What can some people expect to be some of the themes and topics that you're covering there? Yeah, actually, this is going to be a great year. I mean, I love the sessions. we. I always love the sessions we do. But this year, because the challenges and the change has been so you know tremendous, we've got a lot of topics to cover. So we're going to 
we're going to start with empowering the home worker, right? And despite the fact that so many of us have been working from home for so long, we're not necessarily optimized for it. And companies are trying to figure out how to empower thousands of workers at home, give them the choice and the flexibility and the budget to do it well, right? We're going to talk about where is video going? I mean, the, the, the feature creep and additions we've seen in the last year have been unbelievable, but where are we going next? And what's the value prop? I mean, these are, I mean that's just two of the four sessions and, and we have other things too, but right there is a good start. Ira, that's a great point because you know I, I used to compare this to, to to car commercials and car ads. If you see them early on, you know in the, in the 1960s they were talking about you know mileage and performance and 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 the reliability of the car, how how you can buy it and invest in it. And if you look at car ads now, we're talking about you know who's got the best virtual assistant and 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 who's got the best audio. We talk we're talking about features, not quality. We finally got in this industry over the hump of understanding that this stuff actually works. Now let's talk about who's got the best background and the best virtual and the best features and the best everything else. It's amazing. And, and just to throw a little personal note in there, I guess halfway into COVID, so late last year, I actually went and bought a new car. The only thing they wanted to talk about were the virtual assistant Bluetooth capabilities and the display. And I kept saying, well, I'd really like to look at the engine if you don't mind. And, and they were floored by the fact that I was interested in the car. And that's because buyers have changed their focus and that is applying to communications the same way. It's, it's a fascinating change. Yeah. And, and Dave, I, I, I've been watching, I assume you've been watching as well. We're starting to see, I don't know exactly, we haven't come up with terms for it yet and you're really the terms guy. So I'm going to count on you. You don't have to do it today, but hopefully you'll come up with it. You know, for years with this collaboration in, in, in conference rooms, we're dealing with the bowling alley view. And then we have these stupid loud mechanical cameras that moved around the room and everybody got freaked out by it. Now we're starting to see that, well, how do I go back to the office and experience the same thing I'm experiencing at home? How do I get these extra close-up gallery views? I know we've seen Zoom, we've seen Teams, they're, they're, they're Microsoft talking about doing this stuff. I, I mean, do we think this is the direction that's really going to be the future of this stuff, at least the near-term future, Dave? Well, you know, it's it's the the AI, you know, you, I loved your analogy earlier about the television and radio. Uh, feel free to steal it. I steal yours all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but but as new technologies come out, we don't necessarily know how to use them at first is, is the key point there. And, and so we've been using AI for various things, very obvious things. It's like, well, hey, we could do a, a, a speech UI instead of a, having to use the remote. It's like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But, but where the AI technologies have taken us uh, in enterprise communications across the board, actually, not even just in meetings, but it's just phenomenal uh, recently, um, this past year in particular. And so, so the meeting technology, AI has really becoming invisible. I mean, it's the, the, you talked about the auto tracking, the auto framing technology, that was always really hard. You were always either stuck with a, a bunch of little tiny heads in a big picture, uh, or, or, or you could somehow zoom in with pan tilt zoom control uh on the right person but it was it was very distracting it took a lot of work if i push right is it going left or right i mean it was it was all it was it was a distraction uh the ai technologies now are you know auto framing the people they're putting they're changing the backgrounds uh they're putting multiple, they're taking one feed with three people in it and making three three different pictures uh they're doing transcription they're doing translation 
it's just phenomenal how far meetings has gone. Uh, I, you look at some of the other aspects of uh, how AI is being used in enterprise communications. We're seeing a lot of stuff in contact center. Uh, the chatbot stuff is still frustrating, frustrating me, but the, the augmented agent technology is phenomenal. Uh, and being, Or even the routing, uh, getting to the right person more, more quickly. Just trying to figure out the context. Hey, this, this, this event just happened. We just canceled flights. Uh, this person was on that flight. They're calling maybe they're calling to rebook their flight. Let's write them to that person, you know, and, and, and really trying to figure out, uh, anticipate uh, the situation and, or uh, anticipate why they're calling and, and solve these things quicker. And so I, it's just phenomenal how much has changed. And the uh, uh, it's, it's just been a phenomenal year for enterprise communications across the board. Just, uh, it, it's, it's, been the, it's been the year for the, our industry to shine. You know, what's interesting, right? Uh, in the past, IT and the technology drove the experience. We decided what the users would get, how it would feel, what the workflow would be. And quite frankly, we expected them to somehow understand how to do it. Hey, it's swipe here, push that button, put this number here and sit in the right chair and use this remote. What we're seeing now, frankly, is a healthy thing. It's healthy maturation of the industry. We're seeing the users say, this is the experience I expect. This is what you need to deliver. And I'm very happy to say we're seeing the providers and the vendors respond. We, we just completed some extensive research on the additional camera technologies that are going to come into the meeting room to get to this equality in the meeting. And step one, like Dave was talking about, is definitely the AI splicing and splitting of that camera image. But we're going to start to see easy to deploy multi-camera solutions we're going to see additional processing put in the room so that we can actually create almost a produced experience out of the box. All these things that I used to have expensive gear, AV integration, and technicians in real time, we're going to provide that automatically. So think this one through. Not only will you capture a person on camera, the system will make sure you capture them from the right angle to make sure that whoever they're talking to, it looks like they're looking in the camera too. Yeah. So it's not just are you visible? It's, does it feel right? Is it automated? And how quickly can I deploy it? It's just, these are the amazing things that are coming. And, and what's interesting, by the way, is that not only are the vendors making it happen, they're partnering with the providers and together they're going to make it deployable, not an integration nightmare. Love so I, I've, going. I've heard rumors to that effect during my day job about some of these awesome features and cameras coming out. So, so just, just letting you know, yeah, we're kind of on that. Dave, you wanted to make a quick point and then I'm going to go to Eric. I, I just want to say along those lines that what, what I was talking about is, uh, you know, all this uh, capability enabled by software delivered services. And we've been on a migration for the last, I don't know, five, 10 years of moving more and more towards software. But one thing the pandemic has done is really push the benefits of the cloud. And so one of the side points I want to emphasize around that is much less emphasis on hardware. Uh, and so to your point, David, uh, certainly cameras and, and audio devices are still extremely important, but the actual CPUs and, and, and operating systems and clients are, are really not as significant as they were. We're, you know, uh, we're seeing the Chromebooks get popular. We're seeing browser-based applications get popular. We're seeing you know, Microsoft's announcing Windows as a service now. I mean, we're, we're moving away from you need to have the newest Intel processor and you need to have this much memory. You need to have this new hardware, whatever. It's really becoming much more about these, these features are becoming enabled and they just work on a cell phone, on, on a desktop. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what kind of desktop you have. It, it's really a phenomenal time. And that's, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're seeing innovation uh, rate increasing. 
Well, it's also interesting, by the way, just to, to piggyback on that, we're seeing a connection between where does the processing happen? And, and we're seeing the vendors say, okay, I can do this here cost-effectively, easily, reliably, and scalably. And then the cloud can do this part cost-effectively, reliably, and scalably. And together, we're taking this burden of processing and intelligence and experience and we're distributing it around yeah. the different parts. And we, we've never really done that before. Typically, okay. it was this side hands off something, and then that side accepts something, and maybe it's okay, maybe it's not. Now we've got this, this partnership that is, that is bearing a lot of fruit in the experience. Okay, so we've talked about some of the great things that have come about and that we're being faced with going forward. Eric, let me chat with you a little bit about maybe some of the not-so-great things. Um, I'm, I'm, and you guys know me, I'm, a, I'm an industry conference wonk. Um, uh, I, 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 can, I can talk to you about past Enterprise Connects, Eric, about cupcakes and about wearing shorts on stage and about all the other wonderful experiences that happen. But one thing stands out in my mind of, of seeing um, the, the Cisco host Tanberg purchase um, Rowan up on the stage, challenging his other competitors to do interoperability. We are at 2021, for God's sakes, and we are still clamoring about interoperability. And the chat platforms have dropped a bomb on that right now. I have this wonderful device here that's made by Apple. And if I want to do a Zoom call on it, I press Zoom. And if I want to do a Teams call on it, I press Teams and you know, blue jeans, eight by eight, whatever else I want. It's all here. It's on the device. And, and I know personally that the manufacturers can provide that experience in the conference rooms, but the platforms don't want them to. Will we ever see interoperability? Are we covering that Eric, you know, as an industry, are you talking, are we going to be talking about that at all at Enterprise Connect this year? Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've, I think the answer to your first question is no, but the, 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 as to, as to talking about it, I can tell you one of the great cheap applause lines that I and my predecessor, Fred Knight, used to always be able to, to take out when we needed it in any vendor panel was just to beat them up on interoperability because it's uh, the audience of, of enterprise people are right there with you and it's their big frustration uh and you could kind of just 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 do a little number on the the vendor panelists that way but you know it's it's it just doesn't seem to ever happen and you get these kind of one-offs you know a few years ago cisco and and microsoft announced a little you know some interoperability or some ability to run uh, i don't remember whose software on whose platform but it's i mean to your point you we've now had this new proliferation of all these platforms and all these different tools and i think you know probably all of us have that experience of you know at least in my case we, i use primarily what my company put on my desktop but you know if i'm gonna if i'm doing a call with eight by eight i use the eight by eight uh tool or the yeah, web interface and you know and so everybody's in and if if you're with a different you know where you know it, you you just kind of it's <laughs> one of the things i remember rowan saying either in a different part of that that same show or or another show was he uh he said something like ease of use is the new interoperability and the idea was sure you could make all these things talk together but you could also just have all the icons on your phone or on your desktop and and just go from one to the other to the other and i you know I, especially with with the competition between these companies you know fiercer than ever it's just i'm not i'm not optimistic about interoperability well we have to as an industry admit that we're heading toward a brick wall 
that, you know, when we ever do get to this return to the office, we're going to have a whole bunch of people that have never experienced video conferencing in the office the way they did every day working from home, going into the office and say, what the heck is this? Why can't I just start my meeting? What do you mean I have to use this complex touch panel? You know, what do you mean it's not automatic? What do you mean I need a code? What do you, we're, 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 we're heading for that. And I don't know how prepared we as an industry are to be dealing with that fallout. I'll say that the pandemic is generally viewed as a accelerant to the industry and the industry has moved faster this past year than, uh, than previous years, but two areas that really got kind of left behind are uh, the issues that, that weren't that important during the pandemic. One of them being, you know, anything to do with premises based equipment, which includes room systems. And so there's been some steady innovations, but not like, I mean, that's just not been the focus of this of this past year and a half or so. And, and the other one is mobility. I mean, we've always talked about how important it is to work on our on our mobile devices. Uh, but this past year and a half, yeah, it's important. You, you, you just mentioned your iPhone and it's important that we can still do things in our mobile phones. But if it's not appropriate uh, because I need to see my screen, I'll just do it on my desktop because I happen to be at home anyway. Um, and so the, the priorities are going to shift post-pandemic. I don't know when that is, but perhaps 2021, perhaps 2035, who knows? But perhaps po- but post-pandemic, it's going to reshift back to uh, the equipment in the office, which not only includes room systems, but things like room panels outside the room system to see, you know, how the rooms being used, uh, includes things like like desk, desktop telephones, headsets, uh, integrated headsets and, and phones, uh, hot desking, uh, uh, wireless technologies. All that stuff's going to be coming back to the front burner very, very soon. But if I can jump in on the interop topic for a moment, um, we've been doing a lot of analysis and testing on this, and. You know, first of all, I don't believe we'll ever solve the interop problem because the moment we do that, we're going to get rid of all this innovation we need to take things to the next level. Okay, you, We need these proprietary experiences to drive us forward. But I'd like to differentiate between interoperability and accessibility. Right? Uh, interoperability is an interesting concept, but as long as I can get into the meeting, I can connect how I need to connect we're going to get to a point where it doesn't matter. And it may actually be more opening up that specific app where I need it. That app opens up quickly. That's not technically interop, it's accessibility. So I I think we, we need to start thinking in both directions here. Interop is wonderful. Accessibility is the actual user requirement. And I think the other thing I want to point out is we just completed testing of the interop and accessibility capabilities between the four leading platforms with 30 different hardware and software and cloud combinations. And we discovered we're in pretty good shape for your basic experience. I mean, we all complain about it, but realistically you can almost get from anywhere to anywhere with a couple of, you know, let's call them services and gateways and creativity in between. You can get where you need to go. It's not perfect, but I will tell you that two years ago, the silo walls were a lot thicker than they are today. So we are making progress. Um, and you know, we'll publish some, some of the results of this testing soon, but we were encouraged by what we saw. Okay, that's great news. So, so let's get a little bit of uh, um, uh, predictions and thoughts and ideas from, uh, for Enterprise Connect coming up uh, and some of your last words based on this conversation and where you think we're going. Dave, let's start with you. Um, what, what, do you what do you think is gonna be the biggest thing that you're going to see or get out of Enterprise Connect this year? I actually think a lot of the vendors are excited to talk about the hybrid office and and the vendors are using the term hybrid office as if we understand what that means, 
We don't know what that means. We don't know when it when it means. Uh, and and uh, a lot of vendors tend to lean heavily into the uh, the video meeting aspect of it, but it's bigger than that. And I think we're going to see a lot of stuff, a lot of announcements, a lot of new products, uh, and a lot of how how to use old products. Like like hot desking is a great example uh, that we may have kind of forgotten about uh, that as a new new lease on life with uh, post pandemic hybrid office and so um, I think the big thing with hybrid office is kind of getting our head, heads around what it really means. It's not just a technical issue. It's a lot of a lot of processes and attitudes and behaviors that need to change. And I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation this year. Ira, what do you think? Yeah, I think. First of all, I think Dave's right on the right track here. It's going to be about hybrid office and hybrid working, but I think people are going to be very focused on, and I know our clients are talking about it all the time, filling in the gaps between how we work together in person and how we work virtually. And I'll give two examples. We were just talking before about that video experience. It doesn't feel like you're in the room, even when you're in the room today. We've got to give everybody these equal experiences, whether they're local or remote, but The bigger one I'm hearing about, and we have a session at Enterprise Connect on this, it's about ideation and collaboration. I hear so many complaints, and and they're valid, that once our people went home, we lost our ability to be creative together. We were not brainstorming well. We didn't know how to do this remotely as effectively as in person. Well, we're going to have to solve that. We're going to have to bring those tools to bear, and I think that's going to be a key topic because, frankly, that drives innovation and outcomes. And we lost some of that when we went all virtual. Agreed. Eric, what do you think? What do you think is going to be the big thing emerging from this year? Well, I, you know, I, I agree with, I, I dare not disagree with Dave and, and Ira. And I think, I think they're right. That's, you know, that's what's on everybody's minds. It's what our audience and the, the folks in the enterprise are, are struggling. They're, they're, they've probably kind of figured out how to struggle less with it as we've been all remote. So now you're going to have this sort of unstable situation over the next six to 12 months as offices are opening up gradually and it's creating, it's going to create problems and situations that we're probably not even thinking of right now. And some of it will have, as, as these guys have suggested, some of it will have a technical solution or a, a, a technical the product that you can apply to it. Others will, will be just more about the sort of the user experience, the, you know, the user experience, even user adoption are still things that we hear a lot about. And so I think that's going to be talked about a lot is just, you know, how does you translate the technology into making this work? All right, gentlemen, let's pause here just for a second. And um, uh, one of the most exciting, most important sessions that I attended Enterprise Connect every year I've gone uh, is the comparison that my friends uh, Brent and Phil do comparing Cisco versus Microsoft as platforms. Um, and, and I think this year it's going to be Cisco versus Microsoft versus Zoom. Let's hear from them for a second to let us know uh, what it is that we can kind of expect to see when we go to their session. Thank you, David. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And uh, with all the work that you do in the industry, it uh, is really an honor for us to be able to speak with you for just a few minutes about the session that we do at Enterprise Connect. So my name is Brent Kelly. I'm the president and principal analyst at Calcor Incorporated. I have been an analyst in the industry for over 20 years and have followed the industry with interest as it has migrated through a number of different uh, phases and, and uh, waves, technology waves, and so forth. 
This will be the sixth or seventh year that we've done this session at Enterprise Connect. And when I say we, I have my colleague, my industry colleague, Phil Edholm, on the line. And Phil, would you like to take a minute and introduce yourself? Certainly. Thanks, Brent. And thanks, Dave, again, for having us. And it's a great opportunity to talk about what is really, you know, I think one of the premier sessions at Enterprise Connect. Uh, so my background is very simple. Uh, I was the CTO, CSO at Nortel. Um, before that, I was very heavily involved in the data networking business and the original definitions of Ethernet, um, then the design and development of voice over IP, um, a lot of the unified communications capabilities. Um, and it was one of the key people in driving WebRTC, which is kind of the underlying technology here. Um, I've been an analyst and consultant since uh, about 2012 really focused on how this industry is transforming business. So you know, one of the things we'll be talking about this year, for example, is frontline, the 75% of workers that are not knowledge workers, which are currently in that work from home cadre. These are the workers that never got the chance to go work from home. And we'll talk about how it applies to them. So very excited about the session this year because I think the industry has transformed and this session is really going to focus on that transformation. Outstanding. Thanks, Phil. So, uh, David, I'd just like to share a, a few slides with you. And so I'm going to do a, do a screen share here. And so um, this is the name of our session. It's uh, Cisco versus Microsoft versus Zoom, or you can rearrange those logos in any way that you want. But the idea here on this particular session is differentiating or making sense of the enterprise platform. So as we think about what we're doing here, the first thing we'd like to do is uh, we always wish to give a shout out to the vendors for their support. It's difficult for us, given the level of detail and the depth that we go into, to do this session without their support, without numerous briefings from them. And so we always want to thank uh, the Zoom team, the Microsoft team, the Cisco team for providing us with the information that we need to make these sessions uh, so awesome at Enterprise Connect. And then we also want to express our gratitude to Informa. Uh, again, this is uh, the seventh or eighth year that we've done this. And so it's uh, just a blessing for us. And we hope it's a really nice thing for the industry for us to be able to provide this information. So if we think about 2021 and the session that we're going to be doing today, here are the key takeaways in our Cisco v. Microsoft v. Zoom session. We're going to look at these vendors and we're going to see how they themselves have transformed to enable this concept of hybrid work because everybody's going back to the office or, well, some people are going back to the office. We'll say many companies are doing that. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We want people to go away understanding the role of AI and what that's really doing for us as we meet and as we collaborate. Uh, Phil mentioned the frontline worker, so I won't do any more of that, but that's going to be a part of this session. We also want to talk about this idea of contact center integration because, you know, not long ago, uh, Zoom purchased 5.9. And so it's, it's surfacing this idea of, well, how important is it for the vendor to own their own contact center? We'll talk about that. Uh, what are some of the security differences uh, with these uh, platform providers, and then uh, we'll do some uh, long-term planning uh, with respect to cost and so forth. So if we think about uh, what happened in 2020 due to COVID, we, this is a slide, David, that we showed last year. And if you uh, see this, you'll see that these three companies had the largest growth, at least through June, when this particular uh, uh, infographic was made. They had the largest growth in the number of 
uh, users that were using their solutions. And so Microsoft had almost a 900% growth. Uh, the second one there is Zoom with almost 700. And then uh, Cisco WebEx had 450%. The implication being that these platforms grew so large and they grew so fast in 2020. And so we're going to talk about that during this session is what happened in 2020 and what's going to happen in 2021 and beyond. Phil, if you'd like to just chat about this slide and some of the business impact. Absolutely, Brent, because I, I think what's interesting, if you, you think about the, the previous slide that Brent presented, one of the things that's really interesting on that slide is people ask, why Microsoft, why Cisco, and then now why Zoom? And, mm -hmm. and one of the things that's really interesting, if you look at those three companies together, in terms of the number of seats of communications they represent, um, they represent now the majority of communication seats in the industry. Um, so the industry has begun to consolidate. But what's actually more important than just the industry and the companies and the vendors is what's happened with our employees. So this was, again, a slide we used last year. We talked about the fact that prior to, prior to COVID, there was this migration from face-to-face -face meetings and travel and PBX-based, PBS telephony to using IP-based advanced collaboration communication service. But it was a slow migration. It was a slow adoption. Every, every individual user almost had to adopt it on their own. Every business had to try to adopt it on their own. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit. And there was this immediate transformation where almost all of those physical face-to-face -face communications and some of the PSTN communications moved into this new IP domain almost overnight. And what we believe is that over time, face-to-face -face communications will come back, we'll, can, we'll have meetings in the office, and telephony will return. But in the end, it's not going to return to the same volume levels it did before. In fact, it probably will be dramatically different. And that's really, really indicated by this fact that employees, the people that are in the organizations, have a fundamental change in how they learn these new behaviors. So it turns out to learn a new behavior, this was based on an analysis that was done in the 2010 fine frame in the EU. It takes about 66 days to learn a new behavior. In fact, in 254 days, 95% of people have completely adopted and will not go away from that new behavior. This is how human beings change their behaviors. What's interesting to think about is how long we have been in this COVID fiasco and how long our employees have been learning this new behavior of communicating, collaborating, doing their work by video and by being remote. And so we think this is going to be a fundamental impact. And in fact, this is the agenda for our event. And if you look at our agenda, we're starting with that impact of COVID on communication work, really defining what we think are the critical components there. And then we're going to slide into the new hybrid workplace. And these six topics in the middle here, which are the six areas, and they tie back to what when we originally set the session up with the, uh, with the Informa folks back six, eight months ago, and Brent showed you those takeaways, these are the session components that are going to instantiate those takeaways. So the first thing we're going to focus on is the new hybrid workplace. Because clearly, we as an organizations, with our employees learning these new behaviors, have to accommodate this new fundamentally different way to work. One of the things we identified last year in our session is that cloud normalizes and equalizes the feature field. Where back in premises days, it might take two years to get a responding feature into your product platform and into the market. With cloud, it can be as little as six weeks. 
eight weeks, 12 weeks. The time to respond to an innovative new feature is very short in the cloud world. So what we're really focused on in all of these sections is how are these companies really differentiated and how is that differentiation sustainable? And more importantly, what kind of businesses does that differentiation really apply to? So we'll start with the hybrid workplace. You know, what happens when you come back to the office? How do you integrate remote office and office workers together? How do these companies facilitating that new environment? Because how you react to your employees coming back to us may define your company and may define your success going forward. If you create an environment that's not conducive to remote work, will you not be able to retain and hire the talent you need who wants to work remote? On the other hand, you want to encourage people to come back to the office and get the advantages you get of those group innovations and group interactions. And how you do that effectively while still allowing up to 50% of your workforce as they desire to be away from the office. And then how does that affect devices and enhanced meetings? So this will be an important section to understand what are these companies doing essentially the same, but where are they really differentiated? And then next we take it into AI. So with the AI uh, portion of our, um, of our session, David, we're going to be talking about the media enhancements that we've seen over the last year and how these are helping and benefiting uh, the kinds of interactions that that we have had and that we will have uh, in the future. Uh, we've all been influenced by these, by what the companies are doing with media and, and to a large extent or, or, or to a significant extent, some of these enhancements have been done using artificial intelligence technology. So we'll talk about that for just a little bit. Then we're also going to talk about some of the, the AI-based meeting enhancements, such as uh, translation, transcription, uh, meeting assistance, and so forth. So that's going to be a fun part uh, of our uh, session. And we'll be uh, showing you know, people just kind of how these things kind of work and what some of the differentiators are. I mentioned earlier, one of the takeaways is this idea of trying to understand about contact center and does it really matter if say Microsoft doesn't own the contact center and, and you use a third party or is it better for you to use something like Cisco WebEx that's got contact center that is an integral part of the offering and it's made by the same vendor and now Zoom and Five9. Uh, so we're gonna be uh, diving into a few of the details to look at some of the differentiators of what happens when you have maybe a third-party platform like Microsoft has and which Zoom has had heretofore, or if you have an integrated type of platform like Cisco has, and what some of the advantages and benefits of, of either of those approaches are. And, and then we're going to jump into actually two topics that I think are front of mind to a lot of organizations. Um, the first is adjacencies. Um, adjacencies are those adjacent business areas or technology areas or other areas that these companies align to. So for example, Microsoft, we all know has a natural adjacency to personal, personal productivity software for knowledge workers and individual, individual workers. Uh, that software office obviously aligns with what Microsoft is doing in Teams and collaboration. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk a bit about adjacencies, but then we're gonna focus the adjacency discussion in really two areas. First on frontline workers and UCs. I, I talked about earlier, frontline workers in the US are 75% of the workers. 
They're the workers that weren't able to go to work from home for the greatest extent. They go to a location and they do their, their job and role there. And there's clear indications that using the tools we've developed in unified communication and teams, video collaboration, and integrating those into the work processes of that frontline workforce can have incredible, incredible value and transformation. So we're going to talk about how each of these companies is addressing frontline and what they're doing in that space. And then we'll take that into the general discussion of business process transformation. Uh, one of the things that we all know is going to happen coming out of COVID is virtually every business is in the process of reexamining their business processes, their supply chain, all of their operating criteria to understand how they can be better implemented and better protected from the things we saw during the COVID pandemic. Uh, this re-examination of business process is going to lead to a very significant transformation, how those are integrated. And that will lead to business transform, business processes being integrated with these communication and collaboration platforms. So we'll talk a bit about how that works as well. Uh, in security, one of the things that's really interesting, and we actually make this observation, but I think it's important to make here is general security is really not an issue for these products. I mean, if you ignore the early days of Zoom bombing and people not understanding how to set meetings when they were secure, when they were going to advertise them on Facebook, the reality is in the last year, we have had virtually no reports or indications of major disruptive events that were caused by these platforms. In fact, the security is, general security is great in the platforms. So we don't see that as being a strong differentiator, that general security, your meetings being secure, your identity being secure, et cetera. But what is interesting is other areas of security that certain companies may find very important. For example, where the software is deployed. This software not only gathers huge amount of information and things like recordings, but actually gathers huge amounts of metadata as well. And so how that metadata is managed, where it's managed, who owns it, who record, who maintains it, may be very important to certain companies. And then media handling and file transmission storage. Where is my data stored when I store a file in Teams? Who has access to it? Who controls it? Who controls the crypto keys? So our security discussion will focus more on those kind of what I'll call more esoteric areas of security versus the basics of encryption of a video session, which quite frankly now in the industry is pure table stakes. So, so the next area is really exciting. I actually just wrote an article. I didn't know jitter about this. And it's really the question about how this, the whole concept of buying has been flipped because now many companies are going to a video first buying, buying decision. And Brent, I want to talk a little bit about you know, how we see that changing the market for these companies and for the buyers. Well, I, I think I'll do that by inviting David to, to kind of participate in this as, as follows. So David, I'd like you to think back on the last year, year and a half. When was the last time you participated in an audio conference? Uh, the only time that it's happened for me is when I couldn't get uh, to my desk and I had my mobile phone out traveling and I didn't want people to see uh, um, the background or anything else. Other than that, everything's been video. Video is just ubiquitous at this point. So that's kind of the point that we're going to make here is that before it used to be kind of the idea that people would think about the telephony solution and then they would layer onto that UC, whether it was from the same vendor or from maybe a different vendor. One of the points we're going to make is that we think that is flipping where people are now realizing this whole idea of, of having a collaborative solution 
is now the key driving force for the decisions behind uh, behind your communications platform. It's no longer the PBX. That's the key point we're going to make. But we're going to we're going to uh, add a few uh, a few nice gems in there. Some other things that we've observed. I'll be honest with you. The, the only time that I have participated, frankly, in a telephone call, at least a conference call, uh, was like you, David, when. I couldn't actually join by video. I wanted to join, but for some reason I couldn't, and I had to had to do it by phone. So that's going to be kind of a fun uh, a fun little. Uh, uh, it, it'll have some of our musings, but we'll also have some data in there, uh, and we'll share some things too about how our sense of how the mobile uh, phone buying decision and and how mobile is influencing and impacting this whole decision set about how do you decide what to buy and so forth. And then as we, uh, as we wind up, one of the more popular areas of our uh, presentation is this idea of, of pricing. What's happening in pricing? And what do these solutions cost you? Cisco has really done a lot of, uh, I'll call it price reduction. And so we're going to go through that. And we're going to show people how much these solutions cost for a typical, say, 5,000-person organization. And uh, we'll come up with some numbers that I think are going to be surprising to you. And they certainly yeah. don't make it easy for you guys to, to do an apples to apples comparison. <laughs> no. It's always uh, always far reaching and, and you have to do some math and some praying to get to the numbers. How can somebody reach out to the two of you if they want to get more information? Well, first of all, we'd like to invite people to join us. Our session is going to be on Tuesday, the 28th of September at Enterprise Connect, and it'll be at three o'clock in the afternoon. So we invite everybody to attend. It's going to be 90 minutes of really hard packed, very dense material like we always do. And then from this slide, you can see our contact information and our email addresses. And so uh, with that, I'm going to stop sharing and, and David, we'll turn this uh, back over to you and, and let us just say thanks for uh, allowing us to do a pitch for this session at Enterprise Connect. What a great preview that is, and I'm really looking forward to attending it. So, so gentlemen, let's wrap up over here. Uh, Dave, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and get more information about you or what you're doing, um, how would they go about doing that? Uh, just just uh, go to a phone booth and scream help. No, no, actually, no. No, I'm at talkingpoints.com. It's talkingpoints with a Z on the end, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty active on nojitter.com as well. And, and for everybody who's watching who's not familiar with Dave, as soon as you see a phone booth anywhere in the world, take a picture of it and tweet it to Dave. That's what everybody else does. Um, Ira, how does somebody find out more about what you and what Recon does? Perfect. You can go to our website at uh, reconres.com. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter, catch me on LinkedIn. Happy to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Eric, all right, so you get a double promo over here. First, if somebody wants to reach out to you personally, um, how would somebody do that? How would somebody get a hold of you to chat with you a little bit? I think the best thing to do is send me an email. It's, it's E-R-I-C dot K-R-A-P as in penguin, F as in freedom at informa, I-N-F-O-R-M-A dot com. Um, I, I still do a lot of email and that's, that's probably the best way to reach me. If they want to find out about Enterprise Connect, the, the main uh, website is uh, Enterprise Connect, all one word, obviously, dot com um, slash Orlando. And that, uh, and that was, was that was my second question for you here. How does somebody sign up? Uh, what what does it cost? How do you get you know one of the discount passes? What's the how do, how does somebody go there that now that we've interested in going to the show that that wouldn't necessarily be aware of that? You go to that Orlando that Orlando site. There's a a, pay, a page marked passes and pricing that takes you right to registration. If you want to sort of check out the program first, there's a under there's a conference link that you can go to conference schedule. See all these great sessions: Cisco versus Microsoft versus Zoom, Iris Track. 
Dave's session. Um, and you can just make sure that, that we've got what you're looking for. Um, and then um, uh, go to registration and you can sign up. If, you're, if, if you don't have a marketing code that you've run across anywhere else, shoot me an email and, and I'll get you a deal. Awesome. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you gentlemen um, in Orlando at the uh, at the Icky Gaylord Prom. Actually, Gaylord Prom is a beautiful facility. It's gone through a few owners over the last few years. Um, I, I don't necessarily like the pseudo garden, and I really don't like the Wi-Fi in the rooms. But other than that, it's it's a beautiful facility, and it I'm is, I'm I'm looking good. I'm looking forward to going back there and seeing everybody again. Not quite sure if we're going to be masking or doing fist bumps or uh, or hugging or, or or breaking bread, but we're going to do something because we're going to get through it. Um, as you guys know, my name is David. Danto, I'm your host here. You can reach out to me. Just Google my name, David Danto, David J. Danto. If you can't find me, then there's something wrong with your computer. Happy to chat with everybody in the industry. But for the IMCCA, for, uh, for AV Nation TV, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one.